Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Uh, this is Mark Danis. I'm actually not in the studio this evening, but uh, Francis is, I hope. Francis, are you there? Yes, I'm there. <laughs> uh, well, I could not be in the studio this evening, but we certainly didn't want to delay the, um, the broadcast, so uh, we agreed to this format. And Francis, uh, I'm going to ask permission up front just so I don't forget. Uh, you normally uh, open our program with prayer, and I'm going to ask you to do that as well today. But um, if you don't mind, I'd like to close it with prayer. And I say that only because I have the text that we're going to be working with uh, today. And I know that at least as of right now, you don't have a copy of it. Uh, and there is a, a wonderful prayer, I think, consistent with the theme. Uh, so I'd like to close this evening, if you don't mind. I'll take that, that, that privilege from you this one time. Okay, well, are, are you talking about the prayer that was at the very beginning <laughs> from Charles de Foucault? I, I am. Are you planning oh. on using it? I was. <laughs> Did you get a copy but of the text? I I have that text in front of me, Mark, but it's on a nook. So how about that? Thank I God see. for well, nooks. Congratulations. That's great. <laughs> It's just our pages, our page numbers don't line up. So our audience will have to understand. Uh, I'll just preface this so that our listeners can understand. If we get confused on pages, that, <laughs> that one is working from a Kindle or a Nook, and the other one is working from a hard copy books. Yeah, uh, but I, it, I think that list just so you'd have that when the when the text actually comes. If if in fact you're going to get the hard copy, were you going to open yeah. with that prayer? Yeah, would that be good? Would that be all right with you? Now let's go ahead and begin, and then we'll introduce the program. All right, this is a, a prayer from Brother Charles of Jesus, whom we know as Charles de Foucault, and I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but he's the famous one, uh, from 1858 through 1916. And this, he prefaced this prayer with these words, this was the last prayer of our Master, our beloved. He's talking about Jesus, of course. May it also be ours, and may it be not only that of our last moment, but also of our every moment. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. For whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me as in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, my God, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father." In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Francis. Well, I'm You're glad welcome. to hear it. That's right. I think you did mention to me that you at least had the uh, Nook version of the text, so that's great. Um, what we are going to be beginning, actually, today is a three-part series on uh, abandonment to the will of God. And this is actually coming from uh, a number of sources, uh, to be fair, uh, since Father Stinnison, the author of the book I'll mention, uh, uses a number of sources. But uh, I happened upon this book, Francis, a number of weeks ago, and because it was uh, from a Carmelite, a priest, I was particularly taken by it and did a little bit of research, and it was highly recommended. So I went ahead and bought the copy, and the book is called, for our uh, listeners' benefit, Into Your Hands, Father, 
and it's by Father Wilfred, that's spelled W-I-L-F-R-I-D, Stinnison, or maybe Stinnison, S-T-I-N-I-S-S-E-N. And he is a member of the Discalced Carmelite Order. Uh, and Mark, I have to, I have to put a little footnote here right away. Um, into your hands, um, I just want our listeners to be aware that Saint John of the Cross's dying words were, "Into thy hands I commend my spirit." So I think this is so beautiful that um, we're going to be discussing this, and and of course we're going to bring John of the Cross into our conversation. Um, but I, I just thought that little footnote up front would would help. Um, guide our perspective here. Yes, I, I appreciate that, and you're right. He does, uh, Father Stinnison does draw extensively uh, from uh, St. John of the Cross's writings throughout this book. The book is broken really into three sections. We'll cover each of the three sections over the next three weeks. Um, the first one is simply accepting God's will, and that's what we'll be discussing in our conversation uh, today. The next section, just so we uh, uh, sort of tempt you a little bit, at least I hope, is obeying God's will. And then the third section is becoming the instrument of God, which Father Stinnison says is essentially the highest order of our uh, union with God's will, our uh, becoming compliant, if you will, uh, with the will of God. And so that's the three sections of the book. Um, this uh, particular conversation will cover the first one, which is abandoning ourselves to God's will. And we're going to discuss this abandonment. Uh, and if you are familiar with the title by Jean-Pierre uh, de Cassade, then you'll know that uh, Father Stinnison will also use um, extensively the writings of Cassade as he, as he walks through this. I did want to just, um, Francis, provide in his foreword this one quote, uh, he's talking about development in the spiritual life, and Francis and I uh, have been discussing um, how to perhaps uh, do a little bit more teaching and, and getting in sort of the meat of the day-to-day spiritual life, and you know, how do we go about um, sort of wrestling to the ground these issues that we talk about in, in the writings of our great saints, and we thought this is uh, one way to begin to do that, looking at the activity of the will, and he says in here, in the, in the forward to the book, what we need most, and he's again discussing the growth, the idea of growth in the spiritual life, what we need most is a central idea, something so basic and con- comprehensive that it encompasses everything else. In my opinion, he says, that central idea is surrender. <clears throat> One might expect a Carmelite to place prayer at the center. That is what St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross did. But there is another well-known Carmelite, St. Therese of Lisieux, who was totally fascinated by the idea of surrender. She says, Now abandonment alone guides me. I have no other compass. I can no longer ask for anything with fervor except for the accomplishment of God's will in my soul. But I think that's, I that's couple... probably a good place for us to begin, this idea of he... abandonment to God's will. As, as a first stage along this journey. And, and I want to add a couple more that Therese, uh, that goes right with that. She said, Jesus deigned to show me the road that leads to this divine furnace 
And this road is the surrender of the little child who sleeps without fear in its father's arms. And then she says, for a long time, I have no longer belonged to myself. I am totally surrendered to Jesus. So he is free to do with me as he wills. So we've got, uh, you know, we've got this will. You know, the will of God, we've got the surrender, and we have abandonment. Those we're going to kind of interchange a little here. Yeah, and I think that's setting the stage for his three-part explanation of the idea of conforming ourselves, maybe is the best word, conforming ourselves to God's will. But the first mm-hmm. thing that we have to wrestle with is this idea of acceptance that everything that happens in our life, and I know this is a very difficult teaching, to, to be fair. I think many people wrestle with this, uh, and of course we won't have time to go into the deep theological context uh, of this idea that um, even the evil is permitted by God because he brings goodness out of it. But we have to begin with this premise that God is aware and in charge and acknowledges everything that is happening. Um, that is the basis for, then, our beginning to understand how we can conform our own lives to his will, and it begins with an acceptance of that fact, this idea that everything that is happening to us, everything that happens in the world, um, if not caused by God, is at least permitted by God. Uh, and again, You know, Mark, yeah. I-, I have to say that you know, as we began talking about doing this conversation, um, I reflected on the holy, holy, holy of the mass, where we say, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. And when you think about God's will and and either him uh, willing something to happen or permitting, allowing it to happen, because, you know, who else than God can make good come out of the yuck? Um, I, I kept thinking, you know, heaven and earth are full of the glory. And so I, I just kept coming back to that. And and so as we go through this conversation, uh, we, we can try to put that into perspective with the Mass as well. Uh, I agree. And, and of course, I, I don't know if you had a moment, Francis, to listen to the program that just preceded ours, uh, but it was a wonderful program about the centrality of the Eucharist and how everything must be brought back to the Eucharist. This uh, idea, most especially, because, again, I, I want to be very upfront with our listeners. This is a difficult teaching uh, that we're going to go through over the next three programs, uh, but it begins with this acceptance. And you started the discussion uh, a moment ago about John of the Cross and the central role that he's going to play in this idea. And I want to uh, capitalize on that and build on this idea of abandonment. Uh, in a subtle way, I think it can be argued that St. John of the Cross is teaching on the use of the word nada, Spanish for nothing. Um, he means that we must abandon every man-made form of pursuit uh, of God, and that only by allowing God to find room to work in us will this bring us to the top of Mount Carmel. So part of Father uh, Stinnison's idea of abandonment to God's will is, in fact, building on John's idea that we can't set up man-made uh, rules and, and expectations and methodologies for how we uh, pursue God. At the end of the day, we have to abandon everything in our life, and and that is certainly a true, most especially for the difficult things in our life. 
whether they be past, which we're going to talk about, those things embedded in our memory, and John has a wonderful teaching on that, or it be our fear and anxiety for the future, which will actually come up in our next conversation. Um, But I want to begin also with St. Augustine's quote. Francis, do you have that? Uh, I cited it as, I think, the early, one of the first quotes. Yes, you did. I do have it, and I added something at the end of it. So here's what St. Augustine says. He says, Nothing happens that Almighty God does not will should happen, either by permitting it or by himself doing it. And there is indeed much done against God's will by evil, but his wisdom and power are so great, God's wisdom and power are so great, that everything seemingly contrary to it in reality, works toward the good outcome or end that he has preordained. So make God makes good out of the yuck. That's basically it, right? <laughs> and Paul tells us that, doesn't he, in Scripture? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Uh, Romans 8.28. So we have scriptural grounding. Of course, it's very important for us always to return to Scripture and say, is this grounded in Scripture? Uh, um, can, can I find support? Can I find evidence for this teaching? Um, and again, what we're wrestling with is this idea uh, that God is aware. He either is the, the first cause or permits what happens in the world, and therefore that must be true about each of us, what, what uh, happens in our individual lives. Can we accept this thing? Do we believe uh, that we are living that in our daily lives. There's a very simple, but I would argue a very demanding a test that um, that we read from the text here. Uh, Father Stinnison is actually citing uh, Siloan, a uh, Greek Orthodox uh, text, and here is the quote that he gives, somewhat lengthy. Um, and um, Francis, I don't know that I shared this one with you because it was a bit lengthy, uh, but let me read this. How do we know, the question, how do we know that we are living in God's will? How do we have confidence that we are, in fact, responding in a way that God wants us to? Here's the quote. How can you know that you are living in God's will? This is the sign. If you are troubled about anything, that means you are not completely abandoned to God's will. The one who lives according to God's will is not troubled about anything. If he needs something, he surrenders it, and even himself, to the Lord. He places it in his hands. If he does not get what he needs, he remains calm, as though he received it. He's not afraid, whatever happens, for he knows that it is God's will. When he is afflicted with illness, he thinks, I need this sickness, otherwise God would not have sent it. He thus perseveres, preserves, I'm sorry, peace in body and in soul. And again, I I have to emphasize, this is a difficult reading to accept. It's a difficult um, sort of criteria for us to determine whether we are, in fact, living in God's will. And I think it's fair to say there will be moments of anxiety. There will be moments, even when we are seeking God's will, and we see this throughout the writings of the, of the, uh, the saints, certainly those in Carmel. I'm not suggesting, and I don't think the author is, that there won't ever be moments of anxiety. But, but if there's a recurring sense of disorder, uh, of uh, being off balance, if something that we are pursuing, something we desire, is causing us continually frustration, anxiety, and setback, and, and uh, consternation, then we have to begin to question whether, in fact, what we're pursuing is in God's will. 
Well, and also, you know, this kind of leads to the equanimity of spirit or serenity of spirit. When, when you can, um, well, say you're experiencing a tragedy and, and you're like, well, you know, God has permitted this. And, and so what good could be drawn out of this? Well, you know, maybe it is compassion. Maybe it is, you know, changing the direction your life is headed. So, you know, there, there are hidden graces, but, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're so aghast that we're not looking for God's hand. But so, uh, I think important here is that, you know, we look at everything as coming from God's hand. We have, you know, accept in our mind that that is true and then figure out, okay, we, we're not going to understand all this, but, you know, he's permitted this. So now what good can come from this? Where Where is God calling me to act in goodness? Yeah, and we need to, to offer this one caution, of course, and I, I think for our listeners it would be inherently uh, understood that if we're actively engaged either in mortal or even venial sin. And we know it, because our conscience will speak to us, uh, unless we've reached the point where our conscience may have been blinded. But if we are actively engaged in activities we know are inconsistent with the teaching of the Church, with the Gospel, with what our conscience is calling us to, then we're always going to experience fear and doubt and anxiety and, and, and trial. That's of course, different. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I'm trying to understand God's will. I'm pursuing God's will. I'm being genuine in my pursuit of it. I, I um, you know, we, we're going to have enemies in this regard. We're going to have people who want to distract us. Uh, our own mind and imagination, we'll talk about that. The world, and of course, our, our principal enemy, the devil, will always try to draw us off course. And what we've got to do is find, as Francis says, that equanimity of spirit, that equanimity of soul that leads us down that straight path. If we are varying, if we find ourselves in sort of oscillation back and forth, well, what do I do? And, you know, there's always consternation. Then we have to begin to understand we are not in God's will at that point. It's a good time to seek spiritual counsel, by the way. I, I don't want to suggest any of us should go this route alone, especially if we're, if we're uh, genuinely uh, pursuing the Lord, and we've spent some time at this, we're going to have these moments when we reach these very difficult passages, very difficult, uh, you know, uh, stretches in the desert um, where it would be good to have someone to speak to. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity uses St. John of the Cross's idea in her definition of a solitary soul, and she uses that, that uh, sort of framework that John uses about how uh, contemplatives uh, must have all of our hopes, all of our joys, all of our fears, all of our sorrows must be stilled, or they must be directed only to the fulfillment of the will of God. In other words, I hope continuously to fulfill His will. I find joy in the fulfillment of His will. I fear only when I'm not fulfilling His will. So that's a good um, sort of a marker that we can use uh, to help us, again, understand. If I'm experiencing these uh, emotions, uh, these passions, in, in a you know, sort of uh, unproductive way, um, then I may not be uh, fully in God's will. Excuse me, Mark? Yes? We have Mary Piper on the line. Ah, great. Hi, Mary. Mark, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. We're calling from the bus, actually. We just got back on the bus. We're here in Washington. 
Washington, D.C. for the March for Life, and I'm looking at the Capitol building and uh, the Washington Monument right now. Well, that's awesome. terrific. Um, you know, I, I didn't tell our audience there that you'd be calling in, but uh, for those who may not know you, give us a, a, a quick, uh, I think many of them do, but give us a quick bio and then uh, tell us... Uh, how uh, how it is that you're in Washington this week? Well, I'm Mary Piper, and I'm uh, the regional president for Radio Maria in the Midwest and also treasurer of the board. And I'm here at the March for Life. Last year we covered it with Father John, our priest director from that area. And today we are here uh, with, actually your wife is here with me on the bus, and we're here <laughs> with 50 to 60 other people, and it's an amazing place. Is my wife behaving herself, Mary? She is, and she she is so knowledgeable, and um, your daughter, Little Hope, is here, and, uh, and she's been a real trooper because we've been all over uh, Washington, D.C. all day today and uh, went to the National Basilica for Mass this morning. People are mm-hmm. here from Kansas City, from uh, Minnesota, just all over the country, and right now, we're enjoying about uh, 40 to 50 degree weather, but I understand that we're, we have 40, four to six inches of snow on the way tomorrow. So like all of our listeners to really pray for us because uh, the March on Wednesday is going to be a challenge. Well, and I had invited um, Mary, actually she asked me if it would be okay if she called in. I said it would be terrific. And what I promised her uh, on the part of our listeners, Francis, is uh, because we're Carmelites or those who are devoted to the contemplative life, uh, that uh, those who have struck out in faith on this march in the midst of what was uh, some threatening weather and still remains to be threatening weather, uh, could count on the prayers of our listeners and, of course, many across the country uh, in support of their efforts to send a clear message here in Washington about our need to defend life. You know, I was listening, Mary, to some commentary today. Of course, this is the great uh, uh, day that we celebrate Martin Luther King and all that he stood for, uh, and, and an argument was made, and I agree with it. We uh, want to carry on the theme and the message and, and, and the call to freedom of Martin Luther King and standing in defense of life is the best way to do that. Uh, that is actually the, the number one human rights issue of our day, uh, unquestionably. And so thank you for all of what you're doing, and thank you for uh, you know keeping uh, Beck and Hope under your wing, but uh, thank you most especially for the sacrifices you and all of those on the bus uh, and all those who've made their way to Washington this week are making in order to send that very clear message. You know, Mark, uh, the Carmelites are all about um, prayer, and that is certainly what we're encountering here. We went to the Basilica this morning, and uh, so many people came for Mass, and we've seen people walking around praying, uh, the Holocaust Museum. So many people are being informed, and the more that they are informed, the more they know we need to pray, because this that we are encountering right now uh, in our own country, you know, after 40 years, it's our 41st year, unfortunately, 56 million babies have died in the United States from abortion. And so, um, you know, prayer is very much needed to change the hearts and minds and uh, to do what only God can do in many cases. And uh, we're fighting the battle here. Uh, They're expecting, you know, a couple hundred thousand to come. We're hoping that they'll continue to come even with the weather. But uh, but we are are, uh, noticing that the effort for prayer and the need for prayer is what everybody's talking about. So even though we're here in force visibly, 
and being educated, we are definitely here to pray in a very peaceful way and uh, and change our nation and bring him back, bring it really back to God under our Blessed Mother, who's patroness of our uh, country. Yeah, uh, Mary, I, I, certainly you know that you can count on the prayers of the Carmelite community, those that I can speak for here in, in the Dayton area. Uh, I believe that all of the listeners of this program and so many of the other great programs on the Radio Maria are also joining in prayer, and you're absolutely right. Uh, there's a limited number of us who can make our way to Washington, you all who've made your way to Washington, in fairness, a limited number, but God's kingdom here on earth in the form of each and every one of us in, in, believers um, have a much more powerful voice even than the one that's going to be represented. And so I, I want to call on our listeners and ask you, please, reach out this evening and over the next couple of days. Uh, ask our Lord to bless the efforts of those who have made their way to Washington, who have struck out, uh, despite what are uh, you know projected to be some very difficult circumstances, weather-wise and otherwise, uh, and support them in, in the way that I know you will, and in a way that will be every bit as meaningful as if your feet were standing on the streets of Washington on Wednesday. I have one more thing I just to tell you is that at the National uh, Shrine today, we visited and prayed for all the Carmelites who are listening uh, right now and those around the world at the altar of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which is just thank such you. a beautiful, beautiful altar there at our National Shrine. Well, thank you very thank much. You. I know that uh, shrine. I've been there. It is uh, gorgeous. I actually hope to get back and see it again soon. And we thank you for your prayers. And again, Mary, you may count on ours. Good luck and Godspeed. Great. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Mary. God bless. Bye. Mercy, Lord. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, this is a reminder. You're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. We just had a guest a phone in from Mary Piper, who's uh, with a large group uh, here in Ohio that are uh, joining with thousands, literally, for the March uh, for Life in Washington this week. We invite you to, to please lift them up in prayer. We're going to pick up our conversation on obeying God's will and accepting God's will when we come back from the break. Again, a reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. Our sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, Victor, Christ Jesus, Ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord.
Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. We're in the midst of a three-part series of conversations on uh, finding God's will in our life, and the first of those is simply accepting everything in our life as part of God's will, a manifestation of God's will. We're using a book by uh, Carmelite uh, friar Wilfred Stinnison entitled, Into Your Hands, Father, uh, subtitled, Abandoning Ourselves to the God Who Loves Us. Well, Francis, before uh, Mary joined us on the bus in Washington, uh, which was quite a, um, a, a treat, uh, we were uh, yes. getting into the prayer, the famous prayer of St. Teresa. Um, would you mind reading that prayer for us and then uh, talking us through that a little bit in the context of this idea of abandoning ourselves? All right. This is her, the famous bookmark. It's because it was, it was a prayer that she carried in, in one of her books, and so it's attributed to her. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. Well, of course, Father Stinnison is saying that we, um, you know, have this tendency to abandon this idea rather than abandon ourselves to God. We, we leave this idea of God being in control of, uh, of everything, of all things passing, God being what we call immutable or, or changeless. We are the ones who are affected in our interaction with God. God is changeless. And Father Stinnison says the reason we do that in part is because we try to measure everything 
that happens to us as either good or bad. It's a perfectly natural human reaction. We say, is this to my benefit or my detriment? Is this good? Is this bad for me? Do I like this or do I not like this? Um, to God, all that happens is to our benefit by his design, by his intention. Uh, God has the ability to turn, as I've said before, even our worst sins into our benefit. And so we have to begin to see uh, God working out consistently, unchanging uh, throughout the course of our lives uh, in a way where everything is to our benefit. And I just have to point out that, you know, some people get caught in in the fallacy that that God is passive, that he's sometimes that he's just kind of out there watching everything unfold. But but, you know, that is so wrong because because God is active. He's active love and he's constantly wanting to give his love to us, you know, and he's constantly immersing us um, with his creation, with his love, with his life and his light. And so it, it is we who tend to take our single focused eye off. You know, sometimes I wish I were a cyclops so that I could have that single eye. But, you know, uh, in all reality, I'm thinking of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity and how often, Mark, you have professed to us, you know, you know, her, her idea of this, the single eye, the single focus. And, and so when we understand that God is active and participating in each of the details of our life, we, we understand then that all that happens comes from his hand or is permitted by him for our good because he's a father and he loves us and he wants what's best for us, just like we as parents want the best for our kids. And the consequence of that is uh, we tend to you know, sort of segment things in terms of, well, this is from God, and this is part of my life with God, but this isn't. This is, you know, sort of part and parcel away from um, my active spiritual life. Father Tennyson has a great quote here. He says, there can be so much escapism in our striving for a spiritual life. We often flee from the, con- the concrete, apparently banal reality, banal, boring, minimal, a reality that is filled with God's presence to an artificial existence that corresponds with our own ideas of piety and holiness, but where God is not present. So we, we want to sort of create the world in which God would engage with us, and we want to dismiss those things uh, that seem inconsistent with that world. We want to control, at the end of the day, we want to control uh, that environment, and of course, God isn't in certain places, he's in all places, and we need to accept him uh, as being in the good and the bad, as well as the boring and the and the day-to-day. You know, we're going to talk about, uh, or we did just uh, uh, early on in the program, St. Therese of Lisieux and her idea of abandonment. St. Therese is the patron saint of abandonment and surrender, certainly in Carmel, because mm-hmm. she accepted God in the littlest things in her life. It was the little things that mattered so much to her. Conversely, Father Stenenson says, we seek him in great things, but he wants to communicate and reveal himself to us in the small. We go looking for God in the great things, the big things, the big chores, the big tasks, uh, the big events of our life. And, And God, as Francis has said, would like to say, no, I'm in all of the little things. I'm in all of the events of your life. And if you would look for me in all of those, then you wouldn't be partitioning me off and and judging what's good for you and what's bad for you. 
Just well, deciding and, for ourselves, have, again, is exactly what St. John of the Cross is talking about with regard to the nada or the nothing. We yes. must ask ourselves, are we really capable of seeing God in all the events of our life, in everything coming from his hand? If the answer is yes, then we will truly be content with whatever comes from his hand. And if we're not, we're back to that anxiety and that frustration we we spoke about earlier. And again, it's pervasive and it's consistent. Then we know we're really not dwelling in his will, but we're in that state of evaluating and judging whether things are are the way that we want them to be. I don't know about you, Mark, but I, I mean, I, I often know that, you know, I, I'm seeing a moment of fear, especially lately with the snow and driving in the snow. I'm like, oh, Lord, um, here I am again. I'm in the snow and I got to drive and we got to get there. And, you know, so, you know, it's an opportunity to say, OK, Jesus, I trust in you. I'm going to be prudent, of course. And if it's too bad to drive, I'm not going to get out there. But if I'm out there and I didn't want to be, but all of a sudden I'm in a position where, where I don't want to be, you know, uh, of course, you know, looking to God, seek him. Uh, but you know, we, we may not, we can try to say yes. We, you know, yes, we, we believe that everything comes from your hands, God. Um, but we don't have to understand it. And I, I think a lot of people want to say, okay, I want to understand it. And so, but, but then you're, you're trying to understand something that's beyond your limited human ability. <laughs> so, um, it is a faith stance. It is a jumping out in faith. Um, you know, and we can say, okay, Lord, I see this is coming from your hand and I'm still afraid. So what do we do? We, we turn it back over to God. You know, okay, God, I am afraid, but help me in this instead of, you know, being angry and, and saying God's not here. No, he is there. Um, and, and he wants to accompany you through, uh, whatever you're experiencing. Or maybe more difficult, uh, difficult at times, Francis, is not, I'm afraid. Fear has more to do with the future. And we'll talk about the future, of course, as we continue through this, uh, this, uh, series of conversations. Although, in fairness, it may be that you're immediately afraid in the moment of something. Uh, but, but it's also the pain and the suffering and the trial, right? I mean, those are the yes. moments I think we would all have to accept when it's very difficult. One, uh, to believe that this is really from God. How can this be from God? Again, let's bar the idea of sin, uh, actively engaging in sin. We know that that always will bring about a trial. Certainly, if we pray that God purify us and we're involved in that, it, it will bring about a trial. But, but if God is working to purify our hearts and to purify our love, and we're still experiencing trial, we'll know, by the way, that that's part of it. But that's not very helpful in the moment, in fact, uh, Father Tennyson says very specifically, you know, the theoretical abstract here is not very useful to us in the moment. Um, it's good, I think, to question why is this happening? What is happening? Um, why can't I get some insight on it? And again, back to St. John of the Cross, um, in his precautions, he gives us some insight on, on uh, what may be happening and something that we can hold on to. Here's the quote from the precautions uh, uh, from the collected works. The first precaution, he says, is to understand that you have come to the, now he uses the word monastery, but I'll, I'll say the spiritual life, so that all may fashion you and try you, thus to free yourself from the imperfections and disturbances that can be engendered by the mannerisms and attitudes of the religious and draw profit from every occurrence. You should think that all in your life are artisans, as indeed they are, 
present there in order to prove you that some will fashion you with words, other by, others by deeds, others with thoughts against you, and that in all this you must be submissive, as is the stature to the craftsman who molds it, to the artist who paints it, and to the gilder who embellishes it. So again, John's giving us a very sort of, um, you know, deep uh, spirituality, a deep theology, if you will, on, on what it takes um, for us to, uh, to grow in the spiritual life. He says we must almost become indifferent to what's happening to us. And Father Stenison then immediately provides this caution. He says, we may not draw the conclusion from this that we can be indifferent to all that happens. The freedom from care, of which the Gospel speaks and of which John is speaking, is not the same as indifference. The cares from which we want freedom are mainly those that revolve around us, ourselves, not the things of the world. So we don't become indifferent to the things of the world. In fact, it is very possible that our own suffering and the bearing of our cross may deepen our compassion, our empathy, our sympathy, and our understanding of the trials that are being experienced in the world. This is certainly true for um, the phone call that we just had from Mary Piper and the thousands who are uh, this week invading Washington to send a very clear message. We need to be sensitive to what's happening in our society. We need to develop compassion and empathy for people who are both struggling with the decision as to whether to keep a young life and also those who may have made the unfortunate decision of, uh, of terminating that life. Uh, they all are deserving of our prayers. And this experience that John talks about when we enter the spiritual life of being fashioned by the artisan not only is for our benefit, but it deepens our um, experience as a human person. We become more sympathetic, more more compassionate to what goes on in the world. Well, and let me add what John of the Cross says, if you fail to observe, you know, allowing these artisans to chip away at you and mold you into God's image, if you fail to observe this precaution, you will not know how to overcome your sensitiveness and feelings, nor will you get along well in the community with the religious, nor attain holy peace, oh, so important, nor free yourself from many stumbling blocks and evils. So, but we, we continue to suffer, right, Mark? So help and, us out and, and here. And John says, uh, you know, uh, you continue to cling, well, this is actually, Kassad is saying, you continue to cling to your fears and doubts. Yeah, we're going to continue to suffer because we're going to continue to cling to our fears and our doubts. We talked about this. Our faith Mm -hmm. says, yes, I'm going to have difficulties. I'm going to have trial. Is that trial, is that difficulty, is that experience going to deepen my my, um, experience of God? Am I going to abandon myself to Him? Or am I going to continue to sort of kick at the goad, as St. Paul says? You know, am I going to fight against what inevitably God is trying to do? Instead, Kassad says, we study uh, our, our fears and our doubts. We look at them from multiple angles. We evaluate them. We judge them. And, and uh, Father Stenison goes on to say something quite blunt here. He says, you know, sometimes God can seem to be cruel. And it's not God's cruelty. It's the way that we're looking at what's happening to us, the back and forth, the up and down, the I, I don't understand what's happening to me, can sometimes allow us to project God's image into this uh, sort of, uh, you know, tormentor, somebody who uh, we look to for comfort and consolation, and we seem to continue to have these trials, and we wonder, God, are you on our side, or are you on, you know, the, the, the other side? Um, 
Um, but Father Denison goes in and he says, but if he tries us, he's talking about God. If God tries us, it is because his mercy never gives up. He continues to believe all things, hope all things, and try all things to get us to let go and surrender that, you know, abandonment to God's will. No, you know, I, I was uh, going to write a poem one time entitled Merciless love. You know how there's merciful love. Well, sometimes God's love seems like merciless love. My gosh, leave me alone. <laughs> you, know, that you don't like I don't those artists chipping on you? you know, uh, and we can come away thinking and hoping for merciless love, you know, this or experiencing merciless love. Oh, my gosh, you know, Lord, please just, just let me have this deficiency. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> Father Stinson goes on and says, most Christians seem to invest a great deal of their energy in resisting God. Resistance to the spiritual life and its circumstances creates an inner cramp, he says, which is the main and most significant reason for people's unhappiness. Now, I think that's something we want to reflect on. If that's what's causing our unhappiness, uh, we may be a bit confused about how things work in the spiritual world. We tend to think that our unhappiness is the direct cause of the lack of fulfillment of our individual desires. I want this, and it's not been provisioned, or I'm not able to acquire it, and therefore I'm an unhappy person, or I'm experiencing, um, you know, displeasure. And Father Stenison would argue, no, 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 it's not actually that way. What we're really struggling with, and our real unhappiness, is the fact that our desire, our ambition, our goal, the way we've fashioned um, how things ought to work out, is inconsistent with God's plan for our life. And again, uh, I, I want to caution our listeners, Francis, it's important, I think, that we, we distinguish. You know, it's one thing to say, well, gee, I want a house and a car and, you know, clothes, and I want to... We're not talking about that level of spirituality. I hope we're beyond, uh, certainly for many of our listeners, this idea that, you know, God is somehow a vending machine. What we're saying is, in our spiritual life, we may want to set the terms. We may want to explain to God how all of this should work. And then when it doesn't work that way, um, we become frustrated. And Father Stinnison's argument is that's because we have tried to set the rules, and God, being God, uh, isn't about to let us do that. Yeah, so the best thing to do is to surrender, to let go, because without this you won't be happy. You need holy abandonment <laughs> to have peace. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we said earlier um, that one of the... Um, um, ideas that we really have to work on is this idea of the past. Because the past, our past, our individual past, so often dictates how we view the current, how we even, Francis, to your point earlier, uh, may develop fears about the future or or concerns. We so often um, base that on our individual experience, uh, which is embedded, as we know, in our memories, uh, not just our you know, our memory of events and so on and so forth. But our human experience, uh, in spiritual terms, constitutes our memory. And we know um, from the teachings of the Church Fathers and certainly John of the Cross uh, that our memory is healed through hope. Uh, but but Father Stinnison has this uh, very interesting perspective on this, and he draws on the teachings of John of the Cross. I want to just quote this. Uh, what about our past, he said, and the things we have still not really accepted? Wounds that have healed us, uh, uh, that have, I'm sorry, that have not healed, 
but on the contrary, have become infected. Sometimes an unpleasant word from someone or an insignificant event in our lives brings forth a totally disproportionate reaction. Has that ever happened to you? Which shocks not only those around us, but even ourselves. Was it perhaps an old, unhealed wound that was laid bare? Or are we among those who can never be truly happy? People who have in their depths a permanent, diffuse sorrow. Not because they are strangers on the earth who long for a heavenly city, but because some unaccepted, repressed feelings that stifle their whole emotional life. We've not been able to consciously accept and assent to so much as what wounded us when we were small, simply because God was still not real enough for us. He goes on to explain that, you know, there are ways in, in a psychoanalysis and, and with professional help to unearth these um, experiences, but then argues um, that really uh, the best and most immediate um, um, source of our healing is the Lord himself. And he says, perhaps it is not enough that we understand now that God is, is there in that moment in the past. And that knowledge is, and I said this earlier, it's too theoretical, it's too abstract, and theories and abstractions haven't helped anyone. He says, the spirit of man, however, is, a la- is the lamp of the Lord. He's quoting Proverbs here, searching all the innermost parts. And this is John's whole teaching on the purification of the memory. And we should spend uh, a great deal of time, our listeners should spend a great deal of time exploring what John uh, has to say about the healing of the memory. Everything, uh, John says, that wounds us and has wounded us has wounded Christ first. He has freely taken all of it on himself. All of your memories, all of uh, your experiences are his memories and his experiences in his wounds. Um, Well, and that reminds me of the prayer of the Anima Christi, that when we pray, um, there's one of the lines of that prayer is, "In, in your wounds hide me, right? Yes, yes. And in fact, he quotes that very prayer. He says, in, "Into your wounds, hide me." And by his wounds, First Peter tells us, First Peter two twenty four, because by his wounds we are healed. What what Saint John of the Cross, largely who's who's uh, being drawn on for this section, what he is saying is, in taking on Christ, not only do we accept the suffering uh, that that is both our individual experience and those things that we may be enduring at any given time. But we know and we acknowledge that Christ is taking on that suffering from us, and in fact has done so already. John says uh, even more deliberately with regard to how important this idea of the memory is, our, our individual human experience. All the great delusions, he's talking about the spiritual life now, all the great delusions and evils the devil produces in the soul enter through the ideas and discursive acts of the memory. So we need to work hard, listeners, to purify our memories. We do that by, one, beginning to wrestle with this idea of accepting God's will in all the events in our life, accepting that in those most significant moments in our individual human experience as children or as young adults or maybe even as older people, all the wounds, all the, the trials, all the difficulty that we went through, the most horrendous things that for many of us uh, remain deeply embedded in our psyches and our memories, have to be given over to Jesus Christ. And they are given over in our presence before the Eucharist. 
At the end of the day, the Eucharist is the source and the summit and the means of healing for each and every one of us. We don't have to go through years of psychoanalysis. You may pursue that path, and there's certainly nothing wrong with it. But we have to present ourselves to the divine doctor before the Eucharist and allow the internal healing that we may not even be aware of while it's happening. But we need to allow it to happen. We need to present ourselves. We need to give over our past first. If we're going to begin to accept God present in everything that happens in our life today, we have to give him our past. And that's where most of us uh, will have to begin this journey. And and we do a lot of that through seeking, you know, the healing of the Holy Spirit into the interior of our being. And I know Father Stennison went on to say our memory becomes healthy to the extent that we surrender our past to God. So surrendering our past to God and know that it is more his past than ours. Now that made me really ponder. Let me say that one more time. Our memory becomes healthy to the extent that we surrender our past to God and know that it is more his past than ours. Yeah, and that is this idea of giving ourselves over, being imitators of Christ, becoming another Christ, and in so doing, that becomes Christ's past. And Christ can heal it. Only Christ can heal it. But when we give it over to him by becoming, conforming ourselves, accepting his will in our life, he will begin to heal that past. I, I wish I were better, I guess, Francis, at, at elaborating and explaining this. Um, I can tell you that much of John's teaching about this idea of healing the memory is in the Ascent of Mount Carmel, Book 3, Chapter 4. And that deserves, the, all of that section uh, deserves to be read very carefully and reflected on very deeply uh, in, in contemplative prayer and in meditative prayer, uh, because John uh, spends a, a good deal of time and, and really lays a foundation for um, advancement in the spiritual life by the healing of the memory. And absent, he says, uh, this healing, this process, having been gone through, we will always uh, be somewhat... Um, um, you know, held back in our spiritual growth. And so it's worthy of our of our serious consideration. And well, of course, we're running we're, out we're of time. Running close to the end here, so I'm going to ask you if you, if you would, any, any final thoughts, and then close us in prayer. Well, Mark, I, I thank you for pointing out all this uh, and for guiding us with the material at, in the ascent of uh, Mount Carmel. Uh, and I picked a prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola, Loyola to uh, complete this um, conversation tonight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dearest Jesus, teach me to be generous. Teach me to love and serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and to look for no reward, except that of knowing that I do your holy will. And as St. Mary Vallis of Jesus, a Carmelite, discussed Carmelite nun, said, What God wills, as God wills, when God wills. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Francis, and thank you, uh, our listeners, for joining us in Carmelite Conversations. Again, I remind you to please pray for those who are in Washington uh, for the march on Wednesday. Keep them in your prayer as regards the weather and, and so many other things that no doubt will uh, try to dissuade them from uh, from their mission, which is to send a very clear signal to our leaders in Washington. Uh, 
And again, we look forward to seeing you, uh, hearing you again next week on Carmelite Conversations, where we'll pick up on this theme of conforming our will to the will of God. Until then, God bless. Listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.